0: And good afternoon, St. Louis. This is Paul Kirtman on the Paul Kirtman Show here at News Talk STL. It's going to be a good day today, I'm just going to say, because i got a good friend of mine in here with me in the studio, Amir Hadzik. He's going to be with us the whole show. We talked about one segment. Amir, thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Paul. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad. And so just by way of... uh, Background, um, when I first joined the Marine Corps, I went to Golf Company, Second Battalion, Third Marines down in Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii. And Amir was one of my senior guys, senior guys. Do I got that right? Yep. Okay. So, (laughs) like a grandpa. (laughs) So, as I was going in, he was of that, he was on that, uh, that side that was on their way either out or on their way to a different duty station. And you spent a total of how long in the Marines? So, uh, 20 years and a couple months. I, uh, you know, I had a heck of a ride, I'll tell you that. I would do it all over again. Uh-huh. That's how I feel about it. So, like, now, looking back, because I got out, I left active duty after four years, and looking back, I've always thought to myself, man, I wish I would have stayed in, but I got guys that are sergeant majors now, friends of mine you know um it's crazy to think that i that that was long, so long ago the guys i went to boot camp with are now like sergeant majors
1: yeah exactly or or colonels in some cases yeah. too it's it is absolutely uh, wild but you know life life goes uh, quick so try to make as much inspe- impact as you can
0: and i was meeting with one of the guys that i served with we went to Arthur Bryant's barbecue in Kansas City he was uh, going to Leavenworth to do some training not to go to prison. <laughs> he was going there just to do some training. We met up, had some barbecue and I was like, yeah, sometimes I just... I look back and I just wish I would have stayed in, you know, what could have been if I would have just stayed in? And he said, you know, I think about that all the time. Like, what could I, what could I have done if I would have gotten out? So I know like that works both sides.
1: It really does. But, you know, uh, I, I'm i really proud of what you've accomplished since you finished your active duty service. You know, you chipped in, man. You chipped in uh, when it counted. You, you stayed in. Uh, I mean, you served post 9-11. Mm-hmm. You've done your duty. And, uh, you know, I'm... I'm I'm glad to see marines like yourself who get out and become successful uh in another uh path in life so kudos to you. It,
0: thank you. You know the the military was so good for me cuz like my parents wanted me to go straight to college. They would have rather me gone straight to college.
1: That's what most of normal parents would, yeah. Do, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh but I just wasn't ready for it, you know, and and like we were in the infantry and there's yeah. just something about guys that wanna fight, you know, it, like you would, like as a young man, you just want to, you want to join the military because you just want to see, you want to prove your mettle.
1: True. You know? True. I, absolutely. I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why guys like us join the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to joke how, well, I mean, you know, if you just want money for college and benefits, join the other branch where, you know, you run mile and a half for, for the same amount of money that Marines have to run three miles for.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's, I never thought of it like that. So, I never thought of it yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that.
1: Marines are a little bit of a uh, different uh, breed. Uh, you know, I'm not putting down other branches. Absolutely not. Because anybody that spent longer than 15 minutes uh, in uniform understands that each branch has its purpose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and in this uh, era of so-called jointness, where you have joint combined task forces, all the branches involved contribute You know, their fair share to the fight. And I think that's why American military is... Uh, is immensely successful worldwide when we have strategy, right? Yeah. But, you know, military is in charge of operations, you know, tactical level stuff. You know, it's unfortunate that Washington keeps failing its service members time and time again, and uh, you know they bring us into a situation like we've seen just this past August, the way we've uh, departed from Afghanistan. Um, you know That's not on the military, that's on political decision makers in, in Washington, D.C., but it's also on American public to hold those individuals accountable mm-hmm. any given election day.
0: I, I would, though, say that it is on a little bit of the higher echelons of military leadership. Um, and as you know, like once you start hitting certain ranks, especially when you're on the office or side, once you start hitting certain ranks, it all becomes political.
1: Sure. Uh, yes, you, you're, you're right about that. The thing is, though, we in the military serve our uh, uh, democratically elected individuals who were pointed over us, right? We right. ultimately serve American people through those elected uh, officials. Now, the fact that we have so few military veterans and especially combat veterans uh, in, in the elected offices at a national level goes, is, is one of the contributing factors why you have some of these generals that are taking advantage of, of, of these uh, individuals who simply just kind of seed uh, and yield to these generals because, you know, they have no military experience, so they have no point of reference from personal experiences.
0: We're going to move on to, there, there's a, U, a U.S. Marine who's running for U.S. Senate in Ohio. Yep. Have you heard about this guy, Josh Mandel? I have, and he's quite the character from what I understand. He is. I actually met him once. I went to, I think, I I can't remember if I was in Washington or maybe Ohio. I was invited to speak someplace, and there was a a reception that followed, and he was there. And he and I had a chance to talk. He He was a state representative, I think, in Ohio, and then he became the state treasurer, and now he's running for U.S. Senate. And they just had a Senate candidate forum. And uh, one of the guys, this guy, I don't know his first name, but his last name is Gibbons. He's this super, super wealthy guy. Both Gibbons and Mandel have ties like into the Trump campaign. And, of course, every conservative is trying to get their Trump credentials in. Everybody's close to Donald Trump. So Gibbons and Mandel are going after each other. I got a clip here. I'm going to play it because it's. I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay, so Josh Mandel, I, I don't know if he was infantry. I don't know what he was, but he served two tours in Iraq. Uh, all right. I think I'm all potted up here, Lee. I'm going to go ahead and play it from my computer. And listen, I I think it's important to talk facts and dates and companies and who has the moral ability to talk about this. I'm a Marine. I did a couple tours in Iraq, first in 2004, then again in 2007 and 2008. In between, I did funerals for Marines here in Ohio who got killed overseas. Around this same time, my opponent,
2: Mr. Gibbons, was making billions of dollars by shipping Ohio businesses to China. He just got up here and said he wasn't doing that. Let me give you three examples. Perfect Fit LLC had thousands of jobs all over Ohio. He took Perfect Fit LLC and Mike, why don't you explain to everyone why you sold it to a company called Shanghai Shenda. That was in 2015 while President Trump was campaigning against China. And then he
0: did the same exact thing. Owning stock in Chinese Petro. All right. Okay, so I'm going to play the second half of the clip here in a second. But first off, I want to talk a little bit about this. So there are, it seems like like the American people are kind of split, or at least people that I'm familiar with, they're kind of split. Sometimes they love it when people get up and talk about their time in service whenever they run for office. And, And I'll tell you, I've done that because I think when you serve in the military, it speaks a lot about who you are to a degree. There's a lot of guys, and we both know this, that served in the military. They can still be complete dirtbags. They can still be liars because they're people, right? They're sinners. They're fallen. They're not perfect. Um, but sometimes people in the grassroots, especially, sometimes they love it when someone says, I'm a Marine or I'm a Navy SEAL or I served in the, I served in the Air Force. Then other times they will, they will ridicule somebody for talking about their military service. Um, I've met Josh Mandel, a very smart guy. He's very, very smart, um, but he's, he's really making a, a play for his trustworthiness because he served in the Marine Corps and because he did two years of time overseas. From your perspective, you spent more time in the Marine Corps than I did. What, what do you think about it when people use that as part of their platform for why you should vote for them?
1: Well, I think it's important, you know, especially because of any given poll tells us that our military is the most trusted institution in the country. And, and I think that uh, these candidates that are putting their military service out there are uh, using it as an example why they would be trustworthy. And that's okay. That, that is, mm-hmm. they, they've earned it. They've served why shouldn't they talk about it? Just as somebody talks about their business acumen that they've acquired as a small business owner or a you know corporate leader, et cetera. That is that is totally fine. Uh, some people hold it against them if that's like their whole platform. Hey, you know, I'm a gunny, vote for me because I'm a gunny. Okay, gunny, but what else are you gonna do for me? You know, right. what what else is there that you're gonna offer us? Because like you said, you know, uh you have guys that 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 served in uniform for no other reason than to put that check mark in because that's all it is to them—not necessarily service, but to pad their resume. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, we cannot we cannot tell them, "Oh, shut up about it," because they've earned it. They've earned their place, and uh, let them talk, let them speak. And you know, I've spent 20 years, so you bet that that part of uh, my life. Shaped majority of my uh, worldview.
0: I tell you what, day one in boot camp, the first time I met my drill instructors, that shaped the rest of my life. You know, I believe and, you. And so, when you spend twenty years in the military, in the Marine Corps, in the Navy, or whatever the branch of the military it is, it's a big part of your life. And of course, and of course, you want to talk. That's how, that's how I feel about it. And I think that you're absolutely right. Like if if that's all somebody has, well you're not making a good case to be elected because it, we're talking about policies. Right because
1: yeah, you're stuff. not you're not running to get promoted to the next rank in the military, right. you yeah. You're yeah. running for a completely different job and now people now want to this. know your
0: ideas. They no, want to know your ideas on absolutely. stuff. Absolutely.
1: And you know one of the things that a lot of people uh, make a mistake is they 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 feel or they believe that uh, military service members are almost like some kind of a monolith. Like, we all think the same, we all act the same, but we don't. A mm-hmm. uh, lot, lot of folks uh, automatically assume that a veteran is a conservative. Well, I know a lot of veterans that are socialist Democrats, yep. you know, but that doesn't, that doesn't cheapen their service in the military. I will disagree with them nine ways from Sunday. Is that the expression? Uh, on, on, on policy issues, but I will respect their service if they respect mine as well.
0: You know, when I was in the Missouri House of Representatives, Stephen Weber uh, was, uh, I, I don't remember if he held a leadership position, but he was a very well-respected member of the Democrat caucus, and he and, he's a Marine, and he and I actually served in the same platoon for a brief period of time. Did you? Know? Yeah, we were actually That's out in the field, you know, standing around all the tents and the hooches and everything, when, when he said, hey, I'm going to run for state representative, and I never talked, I didn't really know him all that well when we were serving together, but I said, what party? And he said, Democrat. And I kind of laughed a little bit, because even at the time, I thought to myself, you got to be joking, because all the all the guys that I know are more conservative. But right. but then we wound up serving together, and uh, even though we have completely different ideas on a lot of stuff, stand-up guy, had a great relationship with him, and because of that experience and kind of that brotherhood, that, that small brotherhood that we were able to share, um, I think we just we kind of set ourselves up to have a better relationship more and productive
1: I th- and i think th- that that's exactly it it makes you more productive to your constituents uh, you know I, 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 it's unfortunate that politics has become so combative that you know how many of these people that are running anymore would you consider having a drink with or you almost want to fight them you know because everybody's oh. just so combative it's it's well, nuts
0: hey, leah how much more time have we got left
3: uh, about two minutes.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to play the second half of this clip because Josh Mandel and this guy Gibbons, uh, people can watch this video. If you go to paulkirtman.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see radio number 41. You can watch
2: the rest of this clip. Here's the rest of the clip. Mike, would you like to rebuttal that? Okay. Frankly, I'm not sure where he got perfect fit from because I'm unaware of the deal. And I'm not sure what Chinese Petro has to do with anything.
1: Uh, are you, you saying so, own-
2: I owned it? Yeah, you own stock in it. Well, I. That's I, where you. That's you. I can. You, t- you, I, I can you, you filed that I, with the Federal Elections Commission. You well, own stock in Chinese Petro. I personally didn't buy the stock. You uh, made millions off it, sir. I don't think I made millions off of anything. I'd love to have made millions off of pe- Chinese Petro. Uh, first of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second. Right, you may it. not understand this because you never been it in the. Fully. Pl- no, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private, private sector, in your life. right, private I've private worked, sir. Squat, John. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked.
0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pause it there. At this point, both these Senate candidates are standing up going face-to-face. Now, what's really interesting happening here, this is happening is for a Senate run in Ohio, and I can't remember what race it was for. I'd have to go back and look at my history. But uh, John Glenn, wasn't John Glenn a U.S. Marine? Yes. Yeah, and also an astronaut. and yes. also highly I, accomplished. And also served in the legislature in Washington, D.C. Now, what just happened here, Gibbons tells Mandel, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never served in the private sector. And I'll tell you that that is a legitimate perspective to take when you're going to talk about private business. Um, Until I left the Marine Corps, I never served in the private side. I couldn't tell you the first thing about how to negotiate a business deal. But Josh Mandel responds and says, don't tell me I don't know how to work. I served two tours in Iraq. And I think what Mandel is doing here is he's trying to bait Gibbons into, you've you've never held a job. Because when John Glenn uh, ran for office, his opponent said, you've never held down a job John Glenn said, tell that to all the guys down at the veterans home that they never held down a job. So here we see kind of history repeating itself with the Senate candidate debate between a Marine and someone in the private sector having the same discussion, almost saying the exact same words. When we come back, we're gonna talk with Amir a little bit about the situation in Russia, right here at News Talk STL. This is Paul Kirtman, News Talk STL.
2: So things are changing very fast. For weeks, leaders in Washington told us that an American-backed no-fly zone in Ukraine would be unwise because it would amount to an act of war against a nuclear-armed Russia. As you can see, those views have evolved a lot. But in fairness, Congresswoman Maria Salazar got there first. Salazar is a longtime news anchor from Miami who a little over a year ago was elected to Congress as a Republican. She now sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee. A week ago, a reporter from the Gray Zone asked Salazar what she thought of a no-fly zone. Here's what she said. Do you support a no-fly zone in Ukraine? I I support everything that has to do with punishing Vladimir Putin and helping the Ukrainians.
1: Wouldn't that mean direct conventional warfare with Russia?
2: I don't know what it will mean, but you know freedom is not free.
1: So you don't know what a no-fly
2: zone will mean If if you have to shoot down Russian planes. I mean, Of course! I don't know what it will mean, but you know freedom is not free. Now, we made fun of that answer last week when we first showed you that clip. But now what we mocked is the consensus in Washington. We don't know what's going to happen. We've got to do it immediately. That's the argument you're hearing. At this point, no one wants to say it out loud, but it is true. At this point, a shooting war with Russia seems inevitable. How could war with Russia not be inevitable? Virtually everyone with power is for it. We remain against it. We think that joining a war in Eastern Europe will hurt this country. Though, to be clear, when and if that war starts, we will be praying passionately for America's total victory. Unlike so many in the foreign policy establishment, we love this country above all, and we mean it. Hey, Sean. Okay. So that's Tucker
0: Carlson talking a little bit about the changing... uh, the changing conversation in Washington, D.C., because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Tucker Carlson and some of the other things that he's said and some of the backlash that he's gotten in the media and just kind of in different political circles. But first, let's start with this, though. Um, probably several weeks ago, there's a lot of a lot of talk about hey, we we've got to be very careful where Putin's concerned. Ukraine is not part of NATO right now, so we can't we can't we should not respond as though they are part of NATO. Um, but so we have to be very careful. Uh, Putin's talking about nuclear weapons already. He's been talking about this kind of stuff. We need to be very careful in terms of escalation of force um, now. Uh, where it was, no, we don't want to have an American no fly zone or an American initiated, funded, or manned no fly zone. Uh, we now have people saying, yes, we, we need a no fly zone. America needs to give them everything that we can give them. And then we got this one congresswoman. And, and I'll just tell you right from the get go, I think in my opinion, it's very irresponsible, uh, for anybody, no matter what your position is on this issue, if your answer is yes, I'm for total war, no matter what, no matter what that means, because freedom isn't free. I think that's a very shallow answer. Because already, as we know, the Ukrainians uh, are, are have lost who knows how many lives, um, and so we don't want to we don't want to rope ourselves into something without being incredibly thoughtful, and of course, making sure we use our constitution and our democratic process uh, to do that. Uh, But quick, Amir, tell us a little bit about uh, what you know about the situation, um, uh, about what you know about the region, and then give us your thoughts on uh, what should America be doing in your opinion? What should America be doing like? What should we we be doing right now? And where do you think this is going to go?
1: Well, just to kind of qualify my uh, my commentary on this, my last tour of uh, duty in the Marine Corps, I served as a regional advisor specifically to Eurasia. So my job was to study and advise unit commanders and uh, Marine Corps units that are deploying to Eastern Europe. I'm originally from Eastern Europe. I, I, I was born and raised in Bosnia, and I came to the United States as a refugee uh, towards the end of a war. An awful war in my native country. Uh, and so I always kind of kept my eyes and ears open to what's going on in Eastern Europe, especially considering how big role uh, Soviet Union had and later on Russia uh, after the collapse of Soviet Union. So uh, I I think I'm Pretty well informed on it. And, uh, you know, as far as the, uh, no fly zone talk, uh, it, it's, I, I think it's, uh, it's good that we're talking about it. I think it's, uh, dangerous when we talk in absolute terms. But, you know, it, it, it's, it, it needs to be said. It needs to be discussed. It wouldn't be unprecedented because, as you may recall, we had no-fly zone over Iraq. We also had no-fly zone over my native country of Bosnia during our war. And the mission uh, was not... The mission participants were not the same in both theaters. One was more U.S.-centric than the other. But uh, what we're talking about right now is like a NATO-imposed... No fly zone for uh, humanitarian reasons because Russians are direct, Russian forces are directly targeting civilian targets that have zero tactical military value. And, and for the sake of human rights, we need to put a stop to that. The difference is that Iraq was a nuclear power. Neither were warring sides in Bosnia nuclear powers. So, I'm I'm a little torn here because, in principle, I would say, yes, impose it, because might should not make right. Right. Mm -hmm. On on, on the same token, uh, there's, you know, a side of like, well, okay, what if we start shooting down Russian uh, jets? Is that going to lead to an all-out war? And the answer is, I don't know, because NATO members have shot down Russian jets. Example? Turkey shot down unknown number of uh, Russian MiGs over skies of Georgia during Russian-Georgian war in 2008. It wasn't advertised on TV because it, it was barely known. I did not know about that. Exactly. You don't want to talk about it because, oh, my God, the world is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And you probably recall a well-publicized incident when Turkish Air Force shot down a Russian MiG near the skies of Syria. So, and we didn't go to war with Russia. What ended up happening is, on both occasions, uh, Turkish president, uh, Erdogan, flew to Moscow immediately after both of these incidents and had talks with, with, uh, Putin. And somehow they didn't end up in war. So, can we, uh, impose no-fly zone over Ukraine? I think we can, but, uh, there, there is a difference we, ha- we have to take into consideration Russian propaganda to their own people. It's basically going to be self-fulfilling prophecy that they keep talking about how aggressive NATO is and that's why they had to go to Ukraine. So it's almost going to justify Russia's propaganda that they've been feeding their own people with.
0: Do you think it also would make a difference, though, that Russia currently is engaged in an all-out invasion? So uh, fighting over airspace might mean one thing, but fighting over airspace... Over a country that you have declared war against and are invading might be might might actually be seen as you actually engaging on the side of your enemy. Well,
1: here's the thing: if no fly zone is no fly zone, that will apply to both sides, Russia and Ukraine. So, if military jets of either colors flies, it gets shot down. Now, you know that's probably going to be unacceptable to Russians because. Uh, you know, they're going to lose that uh, important air, air support. I mean, I cannot tell you how important air support was for us in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's what made this very successful. You know, don't send a Marine where you can send an air bomb, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Russians. But, you know, like I'm starting to wonder how uh, strong Russia really is. How ready are they to reply with what they've been threatening with? Based on how their military is performing, I'm starting to wonder, do their nukes even work? I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out. It's
0: funny you say that because that's, that's what I'm hearing all across, uh, the news media. Everyone, like, and, and the thing is, is, like, propaganda is a real thing, right? I mean, you know, the Russians people are telling that, and we know that the mainstream media in America, they will lie through their teeth to try to make their viewers or their listeners think a certain way. For instance, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop issue just now, just this last week, bam, everybody's saying, yep, that's actually a real story, but a, a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, the news media was telling you it's just a conspiracy theory. People were being deplatformed for even discussing it. Uh, so we know that uh, state or mainstream media, we know that propaganda is very... Very real. Oh, certainly. So, so when I see people coming across the airwaves or see it on the newspaper, the Russian military, uh, they're still trying to fight their way into, into Ukraine, still trying to get every, everything across the border, still trying to take uh, Kyiv. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's real. Like, that's just not propaganda people are trying to tell us or the Ukrainian people. I mean, it's been three weeks now. We're going on week number four here before too long in oh, Russia. Right the size of Russia. And their military – this should have been – I would have thought this would have been a, almost a walk in the park, militarily speaking, for them just to completely uh, uh, attack and invade and have their troops standing sure, on every corner. If,
1: if it wasn't for tyranny of distance, right? It's a military term, tyranny of distance. You know, there's another military term, uh, amateur stock tactics – professionals talk logistics and seems to me like uh the general staff of russian military is ran by a bunch of amateurs how did they not figure out how logistically challenging this is going to be is beyond me i mean as a as a, as a tactical level uh warfighter gunnery sergeant company gunny i first thing we consider our logistics is this supportable mm-hmm. because you know like the ancient uh you know wisdom uh goes you know what 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 can a soldier do in war when marching out of breath. Well, you know what? The Russian soldiers are out of breath because they're hungry, they're tired, they're running out of fuel and ammunition.
0: Morale has to be sinking to be in country this long and and not have really gained the ground you you were told you were going to gain. Absolutely, because they
1: have war criminals that sent them to Ukraine, where now they have to become criminals by raiding local shops and and businesses to sustain themselves. I mean, how crazy is this?
0: And you had mentioned this on the the phone the other day when you and I were talking, but how crazy is it that German I'm not German, that Russian generals are being taken out by snipers. They've lost, I think, four other main Generals Four or in the five.
1: now I'm hearing yesterday I've heard another report that, that is if,
0: insane that yeah. is insane that that many of your top level leaders like th- the highest of the high have actually been targeted and taken out
1: yes exactly because they're making themselves vulnerable out there because apparently their're encrypted communications that you, when you and I were young Marines were like oh my gosh you know Russians have all this capability they can tap into our encrypted system and they have their encrypted si- they're not even using it. They're using cell phones, stuff that we criticize Georgians for using when Russia attacked them in 08. And, and their, their communications, uh, from their headquarters to their, uh, fighting units doesn't even exist. So these generals literally have to go to the front lines in order to control how the battle plan is working out. Also, Uh, They do not have very good decentralization like we do in the United States. We put a lot of, in NATO as well, we put a lot of uh, responsibility on our enlisted members, on our non-commissioned officers. Russians don't do that. Hmm. A lot of their generals are probably acting the way captains or majors do in our military.
0: I remember having a class on this back in the early 2000s, because um, North Koreans are very much the same way. Like As you, as you and I know, and, and maybe some of our listeners might not, but if you have a Marine Corps squad and your squad leader gets shot, you have somebody in the squad who knows how to become the squad leader. Immediately. Yeah, immediately. So, there's, so the mission stays fluid, everybody can keep moving, and I was shocked to learn uh, in the early 2000s that the North Koreans didn't have that. They didn't train that way. And you're telling me that it's kind of the same thing with the Russian military.
1: Well, it certainly appears so. Uh, it certainly appears that they're not as professionalized as we thought they were. Now, how are Ukrainians able to find these guys so easy? Well, you know, there's that uh, intel. And I think uh, what U.S. is doing right now is, uh, I, I would say, it, it enough because we're doing just about everything short of actually tact, uh Kinetically engaging Russian military. So we're providing them with weapons. We're providing them with mountain of weapons. We're providing them with uh, real time intelligence. I mean, how do you think Ukrainians can spot these generals so right. quickly and take them out?
0: Right. Yeah, they're getting information. They're definitely getting some shared information. And from I some think allies. we need
1: to keep that up. We need, we need to keep taking out, you know, one bite at a time. And if it takes deaths by thousand cuts against aggressive current administration in Moscow, then so be it.
0: Do you think that this escalates to an actual conventional warfare situation with the U.S. and Russia? I don't, I
1: don't think so, because uh, the, way, the way Russia is uh, performing in Ukraine, I think Russians understand that they cannot go against NATO. They're, mm-hmm. they're done. I mean, Russians may eventually take over Ukraine, but they're going to lose their army there. They're done. They're going to become a hollow shell of, of their uh, former self if their former self ever truly existed. So I don't see us going into a, a conventional war with Russia. I think Russia is going to have to uh, rely on... Uh, Asymmetric warfare and hybrid warfare mm-hmm. that they've been employing, that they've been so-called, you know, perfecting, if you will.
0: I, I think that this whole situation that we've been watching here over the last several weeks has really been an education in what Russia really is capable of. True. And you know, like you watch James Bond movies, you know, where you right. you get lessons from uh, uh, Cold War era analysts, you know, and, I, and like the whole idea. Was any minute now, like, this is this could be a real force on force, and we have a 50-50 chance of winning. And so, like, my whole life growing up, I thought to myself, the one country you don't want to go to war against is Russia. And that might still be true, except right now, it just seems like they're just not the big guy that that they had been preaching to the rest of the world that they were.
1: The thing is, too, like, I would never want to fight Russians in Russia. But I'll take them on anywhere else because remember when uh, Russian contractors of Wagner Group in uh, Syria uh, got killed, like what, 130 of them got wiped out by a small team of American Special Operations Forces? They tried to take over one of our forward operating bases or simply try to bully American uh, troops out of the area of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well, we told them, nah, not so fast. And then we tore him up. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, was, it was limited uh, pub- publication of it here in the United States, but uh, in Russia, nobody heard of it.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, I don't think a lot of people heard of it here, you know, with all that w- that was going on the ground, We've got to uh, take another break, but we're going to come back for the third and final segment of the show. We'll play a little bit of Cl- Libs of TikTok like we always do. Uh, make sure you stick around. It's Paul Kurtman, Amir Hadzik, and Leah on the board here at Newstalk STL. And we are back now, Paul Kirkman Show here at News Talk STL for the third and final segment of the show today. Uh, if you're listening to us right now, if you got your smartphone out or if you're got a, if you got a computer in the house, if you got the internet up, make sure you go to social media. We have an Instagram account. I just found out today yep. at News Talk STL. Leah, is that it? Oh yeah. Okay. Have are, are you? Posting stuff on there? Who's posting stuff on I'm not. there? Does...
3: Joey set it up.
0: Okay. So is it all ready to go? People can go find it right now. Oh, yeah. If they look for it. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So make sure you go to Instagram at News Talk STL. You can find us also on Facebook and Twitter and Rumble um, and Getter. And uh, tell you what, Rumble's where it's at. Make sure you go to Rumble and uh, give News Talk STL a, a follow there. And if you've been listening to any. Any amount of time to the Paul Kirman show on Saturdays from noon to one, you will know that every week in the third segment, we play our libs of tick tock. And so, listen, like I was just saying, like Amir and I were talking earlier, I've got a friend of mine uh, served with him briefly in the Marine Corps, but he is far on the left. I'm on the right. But We both agree about some things. We both have some shared values that we maybe brought around from our mutual service and shared experience in the military. But there's some people on the left that are just so, 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 so crazy. And Democrats, regular Democrats, people that are on the moderate left, um, they have a problem with some of the things that are happening in their own party on their own side of the aisle. You know, we talk about this, don't quote, don't say gay bill in Florida. And all it is is a bill that says that up until third grade, teachers need to leave sexuality and LGBTQ classes and those types of uh, social agenda type of information out of the classroom. Like that's things for when you are talking about small, small children, parents, parents have a role in their kids life. And it just seems like that the education establishment thinks that they own the kids. And it's just not true. So. Here's a clip. I'm going to play you a clip. This is this is actually on Libs of TikTok. This is a fourth grade teacher in California um, taking it upon herself to come out to her students as transgendered and wants to get all their questions answered, wants her kids to ask questions about transgenderism and about the whole uh, LGBTQ plus um, movement, if you will. And so this is what we're talking about. Like, parents just don't want teachers teaching their kids these types of things, things that have always been left up to parents in the home. Here here we go.
3: Kids coming out as trans. It's a teacher that's kind of not a guy and not a girl, like somewhere in between. Oh, so you're kind of a boy and you're kind of a girl? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Me too, that's me. Okay, right on. I want to be a boy, but I don't like being a girl. You know what? Every, you know, you have choices in this world to be all sorts of different things. But that's why it's MX, so... Mix Chavez. That's where that comes from. I know some of you were a little confused. Some of you came and yeah, talked to me I about was, it. Yeah.
1: Like mixed mixed Chavez. Chavez. What? Is it, is it like a tomboy? what like... like cool.
3: Some people do identify that way. I'm actually trans, so I'm not a yeah. tomboy. I'm I'm trans.
0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop the clip right here. Last week, or maybe two weeks ago, we played a clip. Of a teacher teaching 6th grade students in Arizona kind of doing the same thing. And, and I, I don't care. I don't think it should ever matter what your sexuality is. That should not be part of classroom time with small children. Especially unless, especially without the parents' consent or knowledge. About two weeks ago, we played a clip from Libs of TikTok. And it was a teacher teaching 6th graders... And telling them, you can go to paulkerman.com, you can find this clip there, telling the students that there there is a very thin, gray, blurry line between being a boy and a girl, and our goal is to make sure that that line is erased altogether. And then the teacher goes on and tells the kids, you might have heard from your parents that you're a boy or a girl, but your parents are wrong about that. Let's all take a few minutes to talk about other things that our parents are wrong about. And so when we talk about education, when we talk about these government-funded schools, this is why it's so important for parents to be involved in your children's education. School districts often want your tax dollars, but they don't want your accountability, which is why when parents go to a school board meeting to speak, they're limited to three minutes and they're told, this is a private meeting that's open to the public, that's why we can limit your time to three minutes. Parents, you have to be involved. Parents need to be the ones sitting on their school boards and they need to be accountable and they need to be okay with being accountable to other parents in the district because at the end of the day, what everybody needs to remember Whatever you think about this issue, everybody should feel this way. Everybody should think this way. And I I know that that's my opinion here, that everybody should think like me, right? But here's what I'm saying. The government does not own your children. We have a government for the people and by the people, and that means our school districts as political subdivisions as well. They need to be teaching the children in ways that the parents, the taxpayers, those that are funding the district... Approve and consent with teaching the children. And by and large, most parents, they just they just don't want, even if they feel this way, they still don't want parents having these conversations without the parents being involved in those conversations. They don't want the teachers having these conversations uh, without the parents knowing about it. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Amir or Leah. Uh, there was a, a young girl that killed herself. I think it was in California. I've talked about it before. Because school counselors got involved and convinced a young girl uh, that she was transgendered. And they, were, they changed her name at school. The parents were left completely in the dark. This young girl got so confused and was so frustrated with everything. Parents had no idea what was going on until they came home and found her hanging. She had hanged herself. Uh, and it was all brought on by what was going on at school with these uh, teachers and counselors having sessions with her trying to convince her that she was really transgendered it hasn't happened once it's already happened twice one girl that girl was saved there was another girl who actually uh, did hang herself and did die and then the mother found out afterwards from that girl's diary from writings uh, from text messages that she had sent to other people from her phone that she was just so angry and frustrated and confused by what counselors at the school were telling her that she was and she just she, she didn't really feel that way but all this was kept from the parents. So, parents, this is Libs of TikTok. You can find a lot more information about out about this. Go to Libs of TikTok. You can find out that this is not just an isolated incident. This happens all the time. Time. And if you love your children, and if you're a parent, and uh, and you, I'm sure that you do if you're a parent. I, I got four little kids. We have to be involved in our kids' lives, and we have to make sure that our government and our school districts are accountable to the parents. Because we're sending our kids there to spend up to eight hours a day, five days a week, nine months out of the year. You better be involved, because if you're not you will you, you're gonna lose control of just not only your government but your kids are going to be the collateral damage of that we the people for the people by the people accountability matters hey we got just a couple minutes left here um on the Paul Kirkman show today but Amir it's been great having you in and hey, thanks for having me and and ta- I How tell you enjoyed us I am gonna have you back I want well, you to come back in and do oh, this I'd love to. again sometime because this has been this has been a lot of fun and I've learned a lot today there's a lot of things that you know that I might think that I know about the situation just because I read it from the, the media, but just from your whole background, you know, where you come from and what you did in the military, um, and just your experience and your expertise there, it's been, it's very, been very informative.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you give me a moment to talk about it on on your radio show and uh, with this radio station. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you again and continuing this conversation.
0: Yeah, it, it will be good. How much time do we got left, Leah? We got just a, a few minutes, right?
3: Uh, yeah, like three.
0: About three more minutes. Okay. Oh, that's forever in radio talk. Right? It, it is, I know. So now we got three minutes. Leah, uh, you had something that you wanted to... You had a story. Can yeah. you get this in in three minutes? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. I don't have any. I just disclaimer. I don't know what she's going to say. Yeah, I
3: know. I purposely didn't L- tell him what me it was, in the dark. but I figured you guys could both like give your opinion on it. Okay. So for those who don't know, I'm a student at Lindenwood. I'm, I'm a senior. Uh, I started a new class Monday. Um, it's a producing class, but we like do interviews and stuff. So Monday. We were doing group, like a group project class thing where we would interview each other and then take those answers and present in front of class, you know, the answers like, I interviewed such and such and here's their answers, blah, blah, blah. So the person that interviewed me stood up and said my name and all that and then proceeded to say, they said this, they said that, they said this, they said that referring to you as they? Yes. And she's the only person that did that. And she went all she made it all the way down to like question 8 before she changed it. But I was biting my tongue. I was <laughs> I I really wanted to say something, but I was like, "No, I don't want to be that person." But man, it like really stuck out to me. Like why? I don't know. It just sounded weird. Like I didn't even think to, like were, know, were they
0: concerned? Was this a, a man, a boy or a girl, man or woman that was saying this? It was a female. A female? Was she, was she just not wanting to misgender you? And
3: It was really weird. I have no idea. Everybody else was, <laughs> everybody else said she, he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And when she stood up, she kept saying they. And what? it was just like the way she said it. And I was like, it like, it bothered me. But I was like, at the same time, I was like trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, maybe, you know, she doesn't realize she's doing it.
1: I mean, she was nervous.
3: Well, well like, some
1: folks just forget, you know, basics of politeness. You know, well,
3: when I told my dad about it, he's like, he's like, oh, I would have said something right away, and I was like, e-
1: yeah, so the thing. like we uh, look, LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, okay, and uh, you can't be. F- promoting human rights for a specific group of people and not for the other. So we need to show respect, uh, do respect to these fellow Americans of ours who fall within that category. But I don't like this imposition of one group's values onto another group, right? right? So I would be totally offended if somebody referred to me as they when they know well that I identify as he, him. Also, this whole name and then your preferred pronoun is really interesting. I think somebody should take a look into <laughs> I that. I think it's stupid social experiment. <laughs> it's almost like a, where does it end? I, there's like well, no. I, th- I think it has a lot to do uh, with identifying with a particular uh, f- 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 view on politics. One hundred percent.
0: One hundred percent.
1: It's almost like a Trump hat, if you will, mm-hmm. for for the left.
0: Yeah, and, and not just the pe- not just Democrats, like people on the far left, because like some of this is going. We played one clip where these two kids were given uh, a class about how to use pronouns, and their pronouns were demon pronouns. It was the craziest. Eh, it's just getting out of it. It's crazy. All right, Paul Kirkman, News Talk STL. Make sure you come and listen again next week. Follow me at paulkirtman.com, at Paul Kurtman on social media. Make sure you follow at News Talk STL on Facebook, Rumble, and
1: Twitter.